0: This is a watered-down version. And let me tell you something. I think we ought to go back to the first one and go all the way, which is what I wanted to do in the first one. <laughs> the guy just can't shut up. Can't help himself. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Uh, I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs to the left of me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you yep yes i'm stuck from in Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM People Powered Radio in LA up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, in uh, Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR Public Reality Radio, and Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Nicole Sandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, amongst others, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us on the award wanting <laughs> Bradcast. Uh, coming up, hey, Digby's back.
1: Yay! Yes,
0: uh, we haven't spoken to the great Heather Digby Parton since Trump was sworn in, I think. It's, it's been, been a long time. It seem well. Actually, it actually hasn't been that long. It just feels like it has been that long. Feels like um, it's been about
1: five years. It since does. Last month or so. It
0: does. That of course is our own uh, Desi Doyan. Uh, good to see you, Des. Um, so it, anyway, it's been a long time, whether it in actual time or just figurative time. Can we talk so them we we like will...
1: like like dog years? Can we call them Trump years? Maybe.
0: Trump days. Trump days. The days of Trump. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll find out how it's going. From uh, from uh, from Digby, if she, I wonder if she'll have any thoughts on him. Uh, we'll talk to her about that and uh, and her thoughts on on what Trump hopes to do next. She wrote about it at Salon this week, uh, even as he continues to falter with so much of the stuff that he had hoped to has, in fact, tried but failed to do by now. Uh, Speaking of which, shortly after we went off air last night, a U.S. judge in Hawaii extended the order blocking Trump's Muslim travel ban until uh, until the state's lawsuit is resolved in this case. According to AP, a federal judge in Hawaii decided Wednesday night to extend his order blocking Donald Trump's travel ban, preventing the government from suspending new visas for people from six Muslim-majority countries and halting the U.S. refugee program. Several hours after hearing arguments yesterday, U.S. District Judge Derek Watson issued the uh, longer-lasting hold on the ban, changing what had been a temporary restraining order into now a— preliminary injunction until the challenge to Trump's order can be heard on its merits. Um, Hawaii says the policy discriminates against Muslims and hurts the state's tourist-dependent economy. State Attorney General Douglas Chin argued the implied message in the even in the revised ban. Remember, this is the second attempt that he's made at an executive order to ban travel from these nations uh, and to keep refugees from coming here. Um, He argued, uh, the attorney general argued that the implied message in the revised ban is like a, quote, neon sign flashing Muslim ban, Muslim ban. That the government did not bother to turn off. The uh, the extending uh, extending the temporary restraining order until the state's lawsuit was resolved would ensure the constitutional rights of Muslim citizens across the U.S., And uh, that those rights are vindicated after repeated stops and starts of the last two months. The state of over over the last two months, these states said Judge Watson agreed in what the state attorney general described as an affirmation of America's value of religious freedom, allowing Muslims and refugees to face less uncertainty. For uh, for their part, Trump's Department of Justice. Uh, Attorney Chad Riedler told the judge that travel ban uh, that the travel ban falls within the president's power to protect national security and that Hawaii has only made very generalized concerns about its effect on students and tourism. The Trump administration had asked the judge to narrow his ruling to cover only the part of Trump's executive order involving the six nation ban, arguing that a freeze on the U.S. refugee program had no effect on Hawaii. Watson rejected that argument, writing that the entirety of the executive order runs afoul of the Establishment Clause of the Constitution, where openly available data support a common sense conclusion that a religious objective permeated the government's action. So uh, the openly available data, I suspect, is uh, Trump's own comments, not just uh, early during the campaign when he was talking about uh, a total and complete shutdown of Muslims coming to the United States. But even his comments more recently. When was this? Uh, does this oh, was this September.
1: Was, this was back um, in March. March of Th- 2017, as in 15 days ago.
0: This was like two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. This was after the judge had once again uh, blocked his travel ban, the second travel ban. Uh, And in his argument, uh, this was cited by Attorney General Chin in Hawaii, quoting his comments after this version of the ban was put on hold when uh, Trump blasted the court for doing it, called Judge Watson's decision an example of unprecedented judicial overreach and said, yeah, uh, this is really the same ban after all. I wanted to keep the original one, but this is pretty much the same thing.
2: A judge has just blocked our executive order on travel and refugees coming into our country from certain countries.
0: The order he blocked was a watered-down version of the first order. This is, in the opinion of many, an
2: unprecedented judicial overreach. This is a watered-down version of the first one. This is a watered-down version. And let me tell you something. I think we ought to go back to the first one and go all the way, which is what I wanted to do in the first place.
0: So he was making those comments at a rally in, in Tennessee about two and a half weeks ago, and I remember after he said them, well, we both thought Desi Doyle, and it's like, why is he saying this?
1: Like, dude, shut up. You're
0: arguing against <laughs> your own case. Well, I
1: mean, not shut up, because obviously it helps, it helps the case of all who believe in freedom and liberty and religious but freedom. But if you want yeah, this to I pass,
0: know. what are you saying very, these It's weird. Um, No, it's just stupid. Attorney General Chin told the uh, judge, uh, we cannot fault the president for being politically incorrect, but we do fault him for being constitutionally incorrect. Brad Blog's legal analyst Ernie Canning told me, uh, that Judge Watson included a bit of, uh, of snarky, uh, snarky comment on his own in his, uh, in his written decision to all of this in regard to the government's argument that he should not look beyond the text of the executive order itself. He should not listen to things that Trump actually said in determining whether or not the order amounted to an unconstitutional religious test, um, Judge Watson wrote, uh, where the historical contest and the specific sequence of events leading up to the challenge of the executive order are as full of religious animus, invective and obvious pretext as is the record here. It is no wonder that the government urges the court to altogether ignore that history and context. (laughs) In other words... Given what Trump has said, no wonder the government doesn't want me to pay attention to it. Ouch. Uh, Watson wrote that he won't, uh, won't suspend his ruling uh, if the government appeals enforcement of both provisions of the ban, both the travel ban and the refugee ban, is prohibited nationwide until he orders otherwise. So um, another failure, at least... For the moment, for uh, for the great uh, the great president. Uh, but uh, speaking of uh, failures, uh, as reported by E and E News this week, Secretary of Interior Ryan Zinke declared on on Tuesday, Desi Doyne, I don't know if you know about this. The war on the West is over.
1: Oh wow!
0: Did you know there was a war on the West? Who knew? So many wars we've got. War on the West. We've got a war on coal. Cool, yep. I wish they were as concerned about actual wars that we are actually in uh, all over the world. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, speaking to members of the Public Lands Council, uh, Interior Secretary Zinke also suggested during his remarks that parts of President Donald Trump's proposed wall could be on the Mexican side of the United States southern border.
1: Oh, that's going to go over well. (laughs)
0: He said, the, uh, the Rio Grande, the Rio Grande River, uh, what side of the river are you going to put the wall? We're not going to put it on our side and cede the river to Mexico, Zinke said, according to E&E, uh, and we're probably not going to put it in the middle of the river, probably? Probably. So they're talking about they would have to put the wall. And I hadn't thought about this because a lot of the uh, border between uh, the U.S. and Mexico runs along the Rio Grande River and the Colorado River. And if you're going to build a wall, you either need to put it on our side and cut us off from the river or you need to put it on the other side of the river, which is Mexico territory. And by the way, cut them off from the river. I suspect they're not going to like that idea.
1: I have a feeling they'll be against that.
0: Zinke conceded uh, that uh, electronic defenses might be more appropriate than a oh, physical barrier.
1: Really? Yes, as uh-huh, you know, concept. the last
0: few presidents have uh, tried to say, uh, and that uh, regions with pre-existing natural barriers may not need any further uh, walls at all. He said the border is complicated as far as building a physical wall. So the border is complicated. Uh, nobody knew healthcare could be this complicated. By the way, Mexico isn't going to pay for the wall after all. Uh, the taxpayers will. It's almost as if these guys are finding out uh, that they had no idea what they are doing now that they actually have to do it. <laughs> Nonetheless, they still got a lot of power. They can still cause a lot of damage. Uh, so what are they hoping to damage next? We will talk about Trump and the Republicans and their hopes for a grand bargain on tax reform And a whole bunch of other uh, political madness today with our old friend Heather Digby Parton. That is next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts over your public airwaves. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yes, the next grand illusion or the next grand delusion awaits us. What next? Trump's Muslim travel ban is still on hold. His wall, if it ever actually gets built, won't be paid for by Mexico, apparently, but by the U.S. taxpayers. His attempt to repeal and replace Obamacare went down in flames. His attempt to uh, roll back Obama's climate legacy is already facing its first legal challenges on a number of fronts and in a number of courts. Sick of all that winning yet? So uh, what's next for the greatest president the U.S. has ever or will ever know? Well, a week ago... Was it only a week ago? Uh, just after the GOP's health care replacement bill debacle, Trump and Republicans suggested they were ready to move on to tax reform now. On that, the propaganda went. Republicans were eager to work together to reform our nation's tax code to offer big tax cuts to corporations and individuals, though how or if to pay for it is not discussed quite as much. Top officials at the White House told Axios on Monday that they do not see how they can change the math in the House of Representatives that killed the Obamacare repeal. But in order to avoid that same tricky political math on tax reform, they are trying to devise a road map that would tackle tax reform beloved by Republicans and a massive infrastructure bill sought by some Democrats at the same time. Cut taxes, increase infrastructure spending, and, of course, military spending, and go further into deficit spending? Or make massive cuts elsewhere? Where else? As our old friend Heather Digby Parton notes this week at Salon, when Barack Obama came into office, he tried to strike what uh, became known as a grand bargain between both Democrats and Republicans in order to reduce deficit spending. He Uh, at the time, had hoped to both increase taxes and cut so-called domestic entitlement programs, uh, programs like Social Security and Medicare. But uh, Parton describes that as Obama's most serious misjudgment, in that he thought he could bring people together and strike a grand bargain with all of the warring political constituencies. It didn't work. She adds the effort failed in grand fashion. And the fact is that members of both parties were relieved. The idea of trying to do a huge bipartisan agreement in this era of sharp polarization was a major misreading of the political zeitgeist. And that was by then President Obama. So she writes, naturally, Donald Trump thinks it's a good idea to try a grand bargain of his own. So how well will that work out? And what exactly do Trump and Republicans really mean when they talk about tax reform? Will they be able to accomplish this one? Or is some sort of grand bargain with Republicans and Democrats little more than another grand delusion by the new administration? Oh, and and does it help that Trump tweeted out today a full frontal attack on both the Democrats and the far-right Congressional Freedom Caucus, who caused them so many problems in trying to get health care passed, um, but who I believe will most definitely be needed on board for tax reform. Here to discuss all of that and undoubtedly much more is our old friend Heather Digby Parton. She is uh, still known to many on the Internet as simply Digby. She's the creator of the long-running Hullabaloo blog, and now a regular contributor at Salon.com, and still a prestigious Sydney Hillman Prize winner for opinion and analysis journalism. And, of course, as I said, a longtime friend of the broadcast. Heather Digby-Parton. Welcome back.
2: Thanks for having me, Brad. Good to talk to you.
0: And to you. It's been a long time. Uh, we were together here on the air on the broadcast, on June 15, 2016, Or is that June 16, 2015? In in any event, yes, the day that Trump came down that escalator to announce his candidacy for president of the United States. And you and I were fairly lonely voices that day and in the months following, warning about the likelihood that Trump would do much better than the pundits and politicians were arguing back then, back when the bulk of them believed he had no chance to even win the GOP primary, much less the presidency, but I don't think uh, Heather that we, you and I have have spoken since Trump was inaugurated in late January. So uh, hey, now that uh, (laughs) America is great again, how's it going over there? Oh, it's
2: going great. Uh, It's uh, you know, it. I'm great again too. Oh good. I mean, (laughs) I'm right. I'm I'm 21 again. That's uh, that's how that's how effective Trump has been. It's it's a miracle.
0: It's all. Um, It's going smoothly.
2: Yeah. It's, oh, it's gone so well. I mean, everything just like, what did he say? His White House was a well-oiled machine, yes. like clockwork? I mean, it's obvious, right? I mean, That's you can right. just see every day in the news, I wake up to see another example of Trump, the fantastic, tremendous, terrific business executive, the greatest negotiator the world has ever seen, mm-hmm. and the amazing accomplishments that he's able to uh Able to affect since he's been president, it's really it's uh, it's it's quite astonishing.
0: And let's talk about his next great accomplishment as president. Uh, and I do have a lot of uh, political questions for you today too that I hope we can get to. But I want to start with, as I noted, the what's next on the agenda uh, for Trump and the Republicans. You wrote this week at Salon about Trump's version of a grand bargain uh what do you see that as and, and 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 then we could talk about the possibilities of this agenda actually coming to pass or if it'll go down in flames like uh, so many of his other initiatives it seems so far but uh wh- what do you see as his version of the grand bargain that he's gonna try to do next here heather
2: well what we understand from from what i've read and and mm-hmm. you know i i don't know any more than anyone else does but but he you know he has set forth some plans that the tax reform plan is extremely complicated. It, and It is beyond just tax cuts. I mean, tax cuts can't just be voted in, um, you know, and, and signed. They, they have to be revenue neutral. So for every tax cut that um, they put through, they've got to find something to cut. And we've seen the rough outlines of that in Trump's budget, which is you know, it is as, as dystopian, a dark dystopian budget as we've ever seen in American history. It is the ugliest monstrosity. There's a reason why, you know, nobody on the Republican side is actually talking about it. Hmm. Um, it is a very, very difficult thing for them to pass. But on tax cuts, you know, I'm one of the reasons they wanted the Obamacare repeal and, you know, quote, replace... Um, done was because a lot of the tax cuts that they have promised are within the Obamacare bill. I mean, we know that they were cutting massive taxes, eight hundred million dollars worth. I mean, there was a lot of money in there, um, a billion dollars worth. There's a lot of money in there that they were cutting ta the taxes mm-hmm. that they were um, reversing uh, w- with the Obamacare repeal. Um, so that was supposed to set them up for tax reform, which is going to be, which is tough even on its own. Um, you know, even on its own merits, because, you know, tax ref- there's a reason why tax reform hasn't been tackled since 1986. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really hard. Yeah. And the reason is, is that for every business or corporation that gets a tax break, somebody else's ox is gored. You know, I mean, th- these things are all interlocking pieces. And once, you, you know, and Trump has set forth a lot of things that have uh, business very, very nervous. I mean, things like this border tax is very dicey, and, you know, I'm not even going to go into the details on a lot of this stuff because, A, you know, I can't pretend to really understand it, and, B, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't really matter because when they propose these things, they're going to have a massive amount of pushback from within their own, uh, caucus and their own constituency of donors and and supporters well, well, uh, let, within corporate America.
0: Let, let me ask you this though, Heather, before we get into the Democrat side of what would yeah. be this bargain, uh, you say that when they cut ta- when they cut taxes that they have to be revenue-neutral. Uh, That's you, a law. Where, well, I was going to say, where do you get that idea? Is that <laughs> is that a law? Because I know that um, it's something that the uh, Republicans pretend to want, at least when there's a, uh, you know, when the Democrats are in power. But we've heard from you know the, the someone I can't remember who it was out of the uh the Republican freedom caucus saying, "Well, you know what uh even if some of these things aren't paid for you know if they're half paid for at this point, that would be okay with us now that you know now that a Republican is in the right. white House so." Where do you get the idea these have to be revenue neutral?
2: Well, my understanding was is that that's actually you know in the law that you can't do taxes. Let me see if I can find out where. Uh,
0: well, of course they can change if if they're writing oh, a they new can. tax reform law, they can just change that just as easy. That's why I'm not uh, I'm not quite so certain that uh, these that it will need to be uh, revenue neutral or that they will even care at this point. You know, they'll get the cuts they want. Um, whether they're revenue neutral or not, they they only care about revenue neutral when it's you know when oh, they they're not in power. they don't care
2: about deficit spending. I mean, right. we know that. Yeah. That is, you know, as it. I mean, look, nobody has has blinked an eye at at uh, Trump's proposals to you know massively increase military spending. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, exactly. And no,
2: you know, and they're, they're not, you know, really, you know, pretending much that they're going to be able to, uh, um, you know, offset that massive spending even with the draconian cuts that he's proposed in his budget um you know no i'm not saying that they have any i mean these people have have no principles i mean i hope i wasn't confusing anyone by saying that i thought they did uh they don't um (laughs) but it's going to be a you know it's in other words just like i said if if tax reform was easy republicans would have done it when they had the congress and the presidency at some point since Mm -hmm. 2000 uh, since 1986 um
0: in the in the previous iteration of the uh, of the grand bargain uh, between Republicans and Democrats, that when this was under Obama, as as you write, uh, there was this notion that both sides in this bargain it failed, but the idea was that both sides would give up something. Democrats right. would agree to cuts to domestic uh, programs like Social Security, Medicare. Republicans would agree to increase taxes. But in Trump's iteration. Uh you know while Democrats would have to agree to tax cuts what exactly are Republicans supposed to be giving up in this grand bargain and <laughs> and uh, actually yeah.
2: nothing um because the if the infrastructure uh program that Trump proposed and by the way that an infrastructure program that was actually proposed by some Democrats before the election, assuming there would be a Democrat in the White House and a Republican Congress. Um, and it wouldn't have worked any better then either, because Republicans wouldn't have gone along with anything that, you know, a President Hillary Clinton would have done. That's the political side of it. Right. But what Trump has proposed is a uh, is, a, is a, uh, essentially an infrastructure project which would bring Back this repatriated taxes that a lot of American corporations who, um, you know, stash their money overseas so they mm-hmm. don't have to pay taxes. He would get he would cut a very very good deal with them to bring the money back to the U.S. and reinvest it in private infrastructure projects. Now, think about that. Pr- first of all, this is a total, you know, tax break for corporations on a level we've never seen before. This is trillions of dollars that mm-hmm. they're talking about, but. They are offering to let them bring it back, and then they're also offering them another tax break on that money to invest it in to infrastructure projects. Now, what those are defined as, we don't know. But we know that companies are not going to invest them on proje- in projects for which they do not make a profit, right? I mean, are their shareholders going to agree to that? Sure. You know, go ahead and donate our, our profits to, right. uh, you know, to the Roads and Bridges project. I mean, that's not how these things work. These are going to be for-profit Project. So the infrastructure. I don't know. What are we talking about? Shopping malls, more Trump golf courses and hotels. I mean, I could see that happening. And them go. Well, look, you know, we did build some buildings. That's infrastructure, guys. You know, so. So these would the have to gardens. be like
0: like like toll roads, toll right. bridges. Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're not going to put Private money.
2: Electric grids. Right. You know, I mean, there's a, there are a million. You know, I mean, all the infrastructure that we know, airports. Um All the infrastructure public infrastructure that we have could theoretically be privatized um and we could be charged for it in one way or another through mm-hmm. fees or through you know various various ways they would find to privatize it um but they would no longer be public uh infrastructure it, they would belong to companies and their shareholders so I we mean, would
0: we would both be funding. Those programs uh, w- with right. these tax cuts, and then we would be paying for be them, paying, paying for them to them use so them, so that they
2: can make a profit. Which, of course, we it's capitalism, baby. So it, you know, it, it when. After Trump was elected, you know, some Democrats, including Bernie Sanders, the independent, mm-hmm. you know, had said, you know, look, we're willing to work with him on infrastructure. And a lot of people are saying, see, you know, there are Democrats out there willing to work. They they forget what Bernie Sanders came up and said after the plan was <laughs> announced. What what Trump had in mind, and he came out swinging. I mean, he said, absolutely not. This is a giveaway. It's a corporate welfare. You know, if this is what he's talking about, you can forget it. And I honestly believe that <laughs> there is no one in the Democratic Party who is going to be willing to deal with Donald Trump on anything, much less this, as long as he's got a 35 percent approval rating and it doesn't appear to be, you know, going anywhere but south. He is, has a civil war in his own party. And he's under investigation for potential criminal espionage <laughs> by the FBI and various intelligence services, not to mention the entire congressional you know, investigative side of the, you know, the intelligence committees. Uh, this is They have zero reason to cooperate with him. And in fact, in my view, it would be a, a, a huge political error because I think that if they have a chance of gaining a majority in 2018. It depends upon keeping Democrats and other concerned Americans, uh, you know, resisting Donald Trump. And they have nothing to gain by helping him do anything like that and everything to gain by keeping the rest of us, people like you and me and the people who are presumably listening you know, engaged, involved, and ready to go out and vote in 2018.
0: Let me me challenge you a little bit on that point, uh, Heather Digby-Parton, but I I do want to quote from Sanders, since you highlighted you you mentioned what he has has since said. Uh, He was, you're right, earlier uh, said, hey, I'm happy to work with the president if he wants to do infrastructure. Uh, But then once he began to see hints of what Trump had in mind for that sort of privatized infrastructure plan. Sanders said, Trump's plan to repair our infrastructure is a scam that gives massive tax breaks to large companies and billionaires. Trump would allow corporations that have stashed their profits overseas to pay just a fraction of what the companies owe in federal taxes. And then he would allow the companies to, quote, invest in infrastructure projects in exchange for even more tax breaks. So you're right. It doesn't sound like uh, Bernie Sanders is on board for that idea anymore but here's the part I wanted to challenge you a bit on uh, Heather you write the problem for Trump on tax cuts is that there will be no Democratic defections for sure and the, inf- in the inf- inf- infighting that's likely to break out among Republicans on that one will make deliberations on the health care bill look like those for a post office naming bill by comparison. Well, I, I I maybe so. I concur with the Republican infighting uh, that is certain to come here. But what makes you so certain that there will be <laughs> no Democratic defections? I wanted to ask uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more in detail about this uh, Claire McCaskill her comments uh, today about uh, well, maybe we shouldn't filibuster Neil Gorsuch. I mean, if they can't agree on that, Heather, what makes you so certain that they're going <laughs> to stick together against these huge tax cuts, especially, you know, if they're enticed with uh, increases of some sort to infrastructure spending or if they are, like Claire McCaskill, running for, uh, you know, for for Senate, trying to defend their ste- seat in a Trump state? Where'd you get the idea that Democrats are ever going to stick together on anything at this point?
2: <laughs> well, it's a, you know, I understand where you're coming from and i don't necessarily disagree with your skepticism i mean one does have to remember that there are um you know there's ample precedent for democrats failing to stick together and for folding um you know like a house of cards in the face of just the slightest enticement Mm -hmm. and you know perhaps the Koch brothers will start running ads in missouri and claire mccaskill will get scared and you know run run toward donald trump with open arms i have to believe however and this is you know uh, granted it is it is wishful thinking based upon the idea that uh, the the list of sort of political imperatives that i just gave you Mm -hmm. from trump's low approval rating the republicans being completely i mean they are they are more disorganized than even the you know the clown car of the of the republican primary was i mean this is they are absolutely um you know they 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 one hand does not know what the other hand is doing. Paul Ryan is a terrible leader and by the way despised by most of the Republican base, which now, you know, Donald Trump has decided to make him his best friend for unknown reasons. Uh, you know, this is a very bizarre political decision. It, it, of course, I think he just runs off half-cocked from what he saw in Fox News. You well, know, that's well, how he makes these decisions.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No, uh, yeah, so
2: me... I just feel that the, that the confluence of political events um, may focus the Democrats in a way that we don't normally see. However, I will hedge my bets on there and say, you know, I probably should not have said they absolutely (laughs) won't. I should have probably said uh it is unlikely or it would be crazy or they would be lunatics <laughs> to do this because the political uh you know what whatever the political zeitgeist is right now i think is in their favor if they can keep this up for another year i think you know and donald trump continues to be donald trump which i see no reason that he won't um that they have a good chance of winning in 2018 at which point you know then we're talking about a different dynamic uh, of potential cooperation with a white house that is seeking re-election and we you and i will after. talk about it at that point yeah after, after
0: 2018. 2018 but well let me ask you i got uh, let me hit two quick questions before i want to take a break and come back and talk about some other uh political issues with you uh heather uh he can even without democrats uh he can you know pass something some tax reform here that does not amount to a bargain in that Democrats aren't involved at all, but is rather a wholesale sort of slash and burn of taxes and social safety net spending all on his own. If the Republicans go along with him, right? I mean, in truth, do they yeah. need Republicans to to cause some real damage here?
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. need
0: Democrats no? They ma- don't. Real damage. Uh, I
2: mean, absolutely not. And I think that's one of the things that astonished us about the health care. You know, neg- you know, quote, negotiations that we saw mm-hmm. Over the last couple of weeks I I assumed they could do it You know, I mean, they have a majority Right And he, you know, was backing the the, the, the speaker You know, I mean, Trump wasn't putting up any resistance To what they were doing Right uh, I, You know, the Senate, yeah, it was going to be tough They were going to have to do some compromises But I, I thought they could get it done I really did And, and I was absolutely... Um, You know, I had written back in in November, right after the election, I said, you know, there's one chance to save Obamacare, and that is if the Freedom Caucus refuses to take yes for an answer. I said, I don't know why they would do that under these circumstances, but they have done it many times in the past, and they could do it again. Lo and behold, they did it. They did it. uh, You know, this this is the central dynamic of the Republican Party. Uh, hasn't gone away with Donald Trump's presidency. I mean, I th- I sort of thought maybe it would. You know, I thought maybe they'd go. All right, we've got it all now. Let's settle down and you know, <laughs> let's let's put on our green eye shades and figure out how to actually get this stuff done. And they didn't. I mean, they are still as nuts as they were before. And Paul Ryan is weaker than Vayner, and they're all fighting amongst themselves. And the Senate is fighting too. And you know, and now we've got a whole. I mean, the the the. <laughs> the The cloud of scandal is absolutely you know humongous that's overhanging this whole thing, so that it plays into it as well. I mean, yeah, people are kind of going, gee, should we go with Trump? Do we go with ryan you know where where's my safe place well, and that's, all this
0: that's uh before I go to a break here, one last question because uh, you know since the Republicans could. Do all of this stuff. They could have it all if they, you know, got together on this. And yet, uh, today, Trump lashed out at both Democrats who, you know, would be very helpful to him if he could figure out how to get some of them. And, Uh, More shockingly, Frank, uh, you know, he lashed out at the uh, at the far right Freedom Caucus in the U.S. House, which had caused him and Paul Ryan so much trouble on on health care bill. He tweeted today, the Freedom Caucus will hurt the entire Republican agenda (laughs) if they don't get on the team and fast. We must fight them and Democrats in 2018. What is the political point, if any, of of doing that as as he and <laughs> Paul Ryan move towards tax reform, what am I? Does he think he can intimidate them into uh, coming so. along? Is that what that's about? I think
2: so. I think he does. I think he thinks he can intimidate them. He doesn't understand something. <laughs> you know, first of all, these people have a have an actual, very real, substantial disagreement on what the Republican agenda is. He thinks that he. Knows what it is, and he of all people doesn't, or that he thinks Paul Ryan knows what it is. But that they, they have real differences of opinion on that, and the Freedom Caucus absolutely believes what they believe. I mean, yes, they're crazy, but you know, it's they're sincere. I mean, they actually believe it. This isn't just a game to them. They actually do believe that you know ab- dismantling the federal government from top to bottom <laughs> is their project, and and they're committed to it. And they know they know how to wield the power to actually. Uh, stop anything but that, which is you know, a very interesting opposition uh, strategy. And they're, they've deployed it to great effect over the last few years and are apparently going to continue to do it under Trump. The problem that Trump, Trump doesn't seem to understand is that those people are very, actually very powerful. They have a strong grassroots constituency in talk radio, in a whole bunch of uh, grassroots Tea Party groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a group of people without power... Within the Republican Party at large, I mean, when when Paul Ryan, you know, uh, he was enemy number one uh, for for years, and he should know this because Bannon's Breitbart News was was mm-hmm. very much at the forefront of demonizing Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump has embraced Ryan, um, and or rather, I should say this: Ryan has very deftly. tied himself to Trump, which has kind of saved him in a certain way. You know, I mean, it kind of gives him his own, you know, a certain amount of of power within the caucus uh, to try and fight the Freedom Caucus. It's really all he has is to try to wrap himself with Trump. Um, But this is a bizarre thing to do. And then the idea that he's going to fight the Democrats, too. Um, you know, saying that along with the Freedom Caucus—I mean, who does he have? I, who does he think is going to vote for this
0: stuff? <laughs> well, I, yeah, we'll we'll find out. I mean, and and Ryan tying himself to Trump, or frankly, Trump Trump tying himself to Ryan is is kind of like. Uh, Tying a cinder block to your leg and <laughs> no jumping kidding. in a lake at this point. Both of them. <laughs> let me, I know. Let me, uh, let me take a, a quick break and we'll come back with. Um, oh, I have some, I have some lady stories for you, Heather. Y- oh, goodies. Y- so, uh, put on your best smile, and <laughs> we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, a couple of uh, political items not related to this uh, grand bargain or this grand delusion. Uh, with Heather Digby Parton of Salon and of Hullabaloo. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't go away.
1: And thanks.
0: They could have. Republicans could have had it all. Maybe they still will. If they can stick together. Democrats, by the way, what about them sticking together? That would be an interesting notion. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with our friend Heather Digby Parton of Salon and Hullabaloo. Uh, Heather, I, I want to read this uh, story from AP and get your thoughts on it, because I know you wrote about it at, uh, at Hullabaloo last night, I think. Uh, from AP, Republican President Donald Trump's lawyers say he's immune, while president from defamation claims brought by a former contestant on his reality TV show, The Apprentice, who accused him of unwanted sexual contact. The lawyers said in a state Supreme Court filing this week they'll formally ask for a dismissal or a suspension of the January claims by Summer Zervos. She was a contestant on Trump's reality show in 2006. They'll want those uh, that that suit dismissed or suspended until he leaves office. They say the Constitution immunizes Trump from being sued in state court while he's president. This is sounding familiar. Uh, Zervos sued after Trump dismissed uh, as, quote, fabricated and made up charges. Her claims at a news conference that uh, that he made unwanted sexual contact with her at a Beverly Hills hotel in 2007. She charges uh, he she had asked him for a job. He kissed her on the lips and later became sexually aggressive, kissing her, touching her breasts. Trump's lawyer said in Monday's filing that the president denies these unfounded accusations (laughs) and what, don't laugh, Heather, and was prepared to show that they were, quote, false, legally insufficient, and made in transparent, politically motivated attack. Uh, The lawsuit seeks, as far as I can tell, seeks only an apology and about $3,000. It also cites uh, that Access Hollywood uh, uh, tape uh, claiming that uh, Trump's fame had enabled him to grope and try to have sex with women, and that uh, saying that when he's attracted to beautiful women, I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet when you're a star, women let you. And then he went on to make his infamous uh, grab them by the P word comment. Uh, in any event, a Zervos attorney. Uh, Gloria Allred said she doesn't believe the President of the United States enjoys legal immunity from a defamation lawsuit. She said the Supreme Court addressed the legal immunity issue in a case involving Democratic President Bill Clinton and, uh, quote, determined unanimously that no man is above the law, and that includes the President of the United States. She says we look forward to arguing this in court. Uh, Heather uh, you, <laughs> you you, had some thoughts on all of this at your Hullabaloo blog yesterday, and an insightful observation in the comparison between this case now against Trump and the one going back to Bill Clinton while he was president so many years ago. You have the floor, Heather.
2: Well, I thought it was very interesting. The minute I read this, I actually read it in the Hollywood Reporter a couple of days ago, and I went, whoa, are you kidding? Because the argument they're making is exactly the argument that... that paula jones uh, lawyers made um when they were t- taking the jones case all the mm-hmm. way up through the the supreme court mm-hmm. and which resulted of course in the famous deposition that that bill clinton gave mm-hmm. and that led to his his impeachment um and you know this was very straightforward it was you know can a president be sued while he's in office and uh, the supreme court all said yeah not a problem. I mean, privately sued. This is, this was, it wasn't even really a very difficult position for them. They said, yes, it won't take up that much time. He can, he can do it. And of course, everybody was like, oh, geez, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. we know what happened. However, that's a decision. I mean, it is there. And I suppose they, they think maybe they can go all the way back to this, this Supreme Court and get them to reverse themselves. But that is really not uh, a very likely thing. And here's why the case that was, made on Paula Jones' behalf was made by some very smart right-wing lawyers, very high-level right-wing lawyers mm-hmm. who were working in secret with her lawyers. They were known as the Elves, uh, and that was a name that was given to them by Ann Coulter, who <laughs> let it slip in a meeting with Mike Isakoff, the writer at the time for Newsweek, who was covering all this Paula Jones and Monica Lewinsky stuff. Mm-hmm. He was very, you know... Uh, uh, he was very much a, a big part of that story, and one of the big investigative reporters. And she lets slip: she goes, "Well, don't worry. We've got we've got some elves working on this Paula Jones case long before any of this came out." Right. Those elves were, uh, you know, a bunch of very. They were young. They were very, very ideologically right wing, and one, the top elf, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the most, the biggest elf right. of all, was a guy named George Conway. George Conway is the husband of Kellyanne Conway, the the senior Trump advisor and, uh, you know, ex-campaign manager. And George Conway is also the man that the Trump administration is nominating to head the Civil Rights Division (laughs) of the Department of Justice. His argument is the argument that the Supreme Court agreed with in the Paula Jones case. And it was Bill Clinton's lawyers' arguments that were rejected by the Supreme Court, and that's the argument that Donald Trump's Lawyers wow. are making today, Good. and uh, in my piece for, for at Hullabaloo, I you know I said maybe Trump uh, Trump's lawyers ought to have a chat with his new, um you know civil rights division head yeah. Kellyanne Conway's hubby, you know maybe over drink some night and uh, you know kind of ask about what the hell is going on here. Yeah. I mean I don't know what will happen with this case, uh you know who knows, but it it certainly seems illogical to me that they would use exactly the same argument and expect to have a different. Different results. Oh, I, I can't logic.
0: But now you're working a lot. Well, this is totally different. Uh, Heather, this was before he was in office. Everyone knows you're allowed to molest women as long as you're not the currently sitting president. Uh, then it's completely out of bounds. But if you do it beforehand, that's apparently just fine uh allegedly, allegedly allegedly of course uh, Yeah,
2: because there's no reason to believe that donald trump there's nothing in his history that could <laughs> give anyone the idea that he would do something like this no. i mean other than the fact that he's on tape saying that he does exactly that other no. than that though I other mean, than that
0: you know, uh locker ridiculous. room talk boy talk <laughs> not Boys not talk not it my was president. Boys
2: talk, Larry.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of women, since uh, you are one, and uh, Ivanka Trump, uh, she will now apparently, and I don't completely understand this. What seems to have happened within the twenty last twenty four hours? It seems to me that she already had an office at the White House. She was already working uh, with uh, Trump. She was showing up at all of these, uh, you know, all of these meetings. But now apparently. It's been made official. She's a special assistant to uh, to Trump, uh, as I know, as I know you are, Heather, a supporter of women in politics. I'm guessing you are very, very happy to see a woman uh, in this uh, in a in a high position of power like this in the White House.
2: Well, of course, she's she's worked for it. I mean, that's what that she's really, really qualified. She's she's the best best woman for the job. Um, So I'm I'm very happy to see her. So snarky, so jealous, so (laughs) you are so jealous. I'm so jealous of of Ivanka. Here's the thing, you know. I mean, I think we all knew, and she had said absolutely that she was going to be, you know, an advisor as his. I'm going to be a daughter. You know. Well, we know in his case that is a very, very uh, close relationship um and that being a daughter with donald trump is apparently being his you know one of his most his closest um political advisors for some unknown reason but here's what i think and i have you know maybe i'm way off base here but my feeling you asked what happened within the last 24 hours Mm -hmm. and why she suddenly decided to take this quote you know unpaid official job at the white house i think it's because of executive privilege I, I have to wonder what, you know, it was just a couple of days ago that it was announced that Jared Kushner was going to be asked to appear before the Senate Intelligence Committee mm-hmm. under oath mm-hmm. about meetings that he had with um, a Russian Bank and the Russian ambassador. I don't know who Ivanka was meeting with, but we know she was meeting with a bunch of people, like, you know, the the uh, Prime Minister of, of Japan at a time when she had, business dealings The her Ivanka brand, you know, ugly clothing brand had a had a bunch of uh, allegedly. Deals. Allegedly, allegedly allegedly
0: ugly. Okay, go ahead.
2: Allegedly ugly. Sorry. Right. Right. Um I'm not saying she's ugly, but I just, you know, I just, her clothing. I'm yeah. I'm, be, I'm being mean about her clothing. I don't even know or care about whether they're ugly. I take it all back. <laughs> um but she was she had a some big deal going with a government-owned entity in Japan about so you know bringing her brand into some major department store in Japan at the time she was having a meeting so it occurred to me when they announced this that they were going that they needed to bring her in under the umbrella of of executive privilege and maybe there was something in the law that required that she actually be an official member of the uh, of the Trump administration in order to do that I don't know I'm just guessing but you know she's wrapped up in all this you know corruption <laughs> and well, whatever is going on there, just like the rest of them. And I don't even know if she's divested herself. They keep sort of saying, well, she's going to sign the paperwork any day, but that we have no, no proof.
0: Yeah, no, she hasn't divested. He hasn't, so why should she?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, nobody seems to care. Yeah. yeah, you know, whatever.
0: Apparently, no, you know, nobody in Congress uh, uh, cares yeah. to do anything about it. Um, let me... One point on this, and I realize that maybe. You know, scraping the bottom of the barrel here, uh, you know, trying to find some encouraging news. But uh, people have talked about, oh, well, you know, Ivanka, Ivanka she'll be a, a good influence on Trump when it comes to climate change and policies and so forth. Obviously, that has not come to pass. Uh, that said, it occurs to me that she is not insane. And it occurs to me that if she actually, you know, is allowed in some fashion to have more of a voice, more of an influence on him, it seems like that can only be better rather than worse where we are now. Am I am I being uh, naive and, and too hopeful with that thought? Yes. Okay. Just
2: as just as I was being too naive and hopeful and thinking that the Democrats, Democrats
0: would never not, Yeah, would never
2: <laughs> right. go along with Trump. Okay. I think you're thinking that Ivanka will somehow uh, I don't know, moderate her father in some way, I think is is, is equally
0: <laughs> well, I, <laughs> equally I, I,
2: wishful thinking. You're right. I I
0: think I'm saying it's it <laughs> it won't make things worse and maybe maybe it could make things better.
2: Potentially. Let's just put it that way. It's possible. I have no evidence to suggest that that will happen at the moment. Uh, I, I actually, I'm going to be cynical and stick with my idea that they want to cover her under some kind of executive immunity. And that's the only reason they brought her in there.
0: You know, fair she enough. was making
2: deals with, you know, God knows who, and then yep. all those meetings she attended.
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, before we go here, uh, Heather Digby-Pardon, I, I just, uh, we haven't got, even since you, you haven't been on, I don't, I don't think, since uh, since Trump was... Uh, yeah, inaugurated so. and so a lot has happened and one of them of course is the uh, Supreme Court nomination of Judge Neil Gorsuch I have said uh, repeatedly that Democrats should not even entertain the idea that it's a stolen seat that if uh, anybody other than uh, a nominee named Merrick Garland which was Obama's nominee should not even be considered by the uh, by the Democrats, period end of story otherwise they're enabling the theft of a supreme court seat and and uh, you know the theft of the 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 majority on the supreme court for a generation and yet Uh, And I know a lot of Democrats uh, in the Senate are coming around to that thinking, but yet we see Claire McCaskill uh, today saying that she is torn about how to vote on the nomination of Neil Gorsuch, uh, citing the alternatives that I've heard from other Democrats as well, that, you know, you either if you filibuster Gorsuch, Uh, This will push Republicans to invoke the uh, so-called nuclear option and uh, ram the nomination through on a majority vote. Get rid of the filibuster. In other words, that's one choice. The other choice is to allow Gorsuch uh, to have a floor vote, vote to not filibuster and hold their fire for the next Supreme Mm -hmm. Court vacancy. Your thoughts on... (laughs) On that,
2: (laughs) well, I think we're on the same page on this one, Brad. I mean, to me, it's just of course you filibuster, and and they should filibuster every last one. I mean, there's there's no you know you can't even set free one or two. It should be an absolute wall of opposition on this. Without and it has to do with two things. Merrick Garland, of course, first of all. I mean, Sean Spicer said today on uh, in his his press briefing. That you know, he actually said, you know, Barack Obama's um, nominees were all given an up or down vote, and I'm going, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, I mean, he actually just sort of, you know, is saying this is an historical, um, you know, mm-hmm. this is a this is an historical change, and we, you know, it's a it's a busting of norms and blah blah blah. I'm going, you, you've got to be kidding me. Of course, they should not reward that behavior. That was absolutely outrageous. And second of all, we have a president who may be illegitimate uh we don't know what the heck went on uh with his with all of these uh with scandals that are hanging over him but i think it's fair enough for them to say you know this is kind of a you know it's a big deal this is a big 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 appointment you know 40 years from now this guy'll still be there potentially uh we're not going to do it yeah. i absolutely think they should they should um filibuster and if mcconnell blows it up he blows it up. He I mean, blows
0: it up because he's going to blow it up on the next Anywhere. time. Anyway, Any
2: time he needs to blow yes. it up, he's going to blow it up. So I there's no point. There's nothing. That, that just means why? Why do they even show up at the hearings if uh, that's going to happen? Just you know, all right, uh, whatever. I mean, we should get rid of the advice and consent and just say that the president can put in. Whoever he wants. I mean, if they want to do that, that's fine. But yeah, I'm with you. Just filibuster, of course.
0: Uh, Apparently, uh, Democrats need some uh, shoring up on that point. You can call your senator at 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121 202 224 3121 and talk to your uh, talk to your senator, talk to your house member but uh, as well on these other issues but certainly on on the filibuster, let them know how you think. If you're in Missouri, if you're from Missouri, if you're a Missouri voter, call Claire McCaskill and and let her know, no, this is not really a close call. Remind her that they're going to get rid of the filibuster whenever they need to, whether it's this time or next time. Uh, you know, stand up for some sort of institutional penalty for this behavior. And
2: by the way, yeah. they're not going to get any worse than this guy. This guy's as bad as it gets. Seriously, he's to the right of Scalia. So any, you know, I know McCaskill said that, well, you know, next time it could be worse. No, unless they, you know, they put in Richard Spencer. I mean, this guy's as bad as it gets. So no, Don't give them
0: any ideas, nothing. Heather. <laughs> uh, Heather Digby Parton, find her work as ever at Salon.com and over at Hullabaloo at Digby Blog. You can also find, follow, and harass her on the Twitters at digby56. Thanks, Heather. Let's do it more often.
2: Absolutely. Nice to talk to you, Brad.
0: And you. Okay, we are very late, so i got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, of course, to Heather Digby-Parton, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it for free anytime at Bradblog.com or at your favorite podcast site. Hope you'll leave us a good review. In either case, make it a little easier for everyone else to find us as well. Uh, you can drop me email if you want. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com, and you can find, follow, share, and harass me on the Facebooks and the Twitters as well at the Bradblog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.